He's amused Cam Newton. He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sail. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You are on a Thursday drive. WSJS News Talk Sports for The Triad, where there's quite a bit going on today. It's round one of the West Coast U.S. Open out at L.A. Country Club. It's underway, and we will have regular updates throughout today's show. A little bit further inland, the Denver Nuggets victory parade is happening as we speak. And my Baltimore Orioles are locked into a matinee rubber match. So apologies if the host of this show is a tad bit distracted at points. Meanwhile, as the Carolina Panthers closed up shop on off-season workouts, and now they're leaving for a six-week vacation before training camp starts at the end of next month, it's become clear that there's a new alpha in that locker room, a voice that's stronger than any other voice on the roster, and that voice belongs to Brian Burns. He's now waited his turn, and he's the leader of this football team. When he arrived, it was Cam's team. It was Luke Keekley's team. It was Greg Olson's team. He was the rookie and drafted by Ron Rivera his last season as Panthers coach. Then, during the Matt Rule era, it was Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore's team. Neither of those guys are on the roster anymore. His voice is loudest. It's Brian Burns' team because he's the one guy on this team we know is an all-pro caliber player. Top five, top six at his position. Is there another player on this team that can say that? We hope one day that Bryce Young is that. We hope that maybe Iki Aquanu is the same way or J.C. Horn. Maybe he can, if healthy, be a top corner. Send me that cash out, family. But not yet. They're not there yet. Brian Burns is at that point. Listen to the way Frank Reich talked about Brian Burns out at mandatory minicamp. I don't know, every time I, you know, I know he hasn't even taken a snap out here. Every time I see him walk out in the field, I said, man, I'm glad he's on our team. Um, He's big and long and strong. I mean, I got to see him play more, just kind of see who he reminds me of. But um, he's he's got a presence about him physically and mentally that um, expect expect, uh, continued uh, big things from him. He's stepping into a new number and a new role. Obviously, there's the leadership piece of that role. He's going to be more vocal, I would imagine. But from a football X's and O's standpoint, he's going to be more of an outside linebacker in the Giro Evero's defense. It's a new defensive formation. It's a new voice commanding that defense. It means he's probably going to have his hand in the dirt a lot less. In fact, he even said that earlier this week. So new defense, new role, new number. Here he was on the New Jersey number, number zero, after spending four years wearing number 53. Nah, coming in, coming in the league, I wanted 99, but at the time, KK got it. So if it wasn't 99, I didn't really care for nothing else. But the thought of being the first Panther with zero was kind of like, why not? That was kind of dope, so I was like, why not? Did JC try to fight you for it? Nah, JC, JC, he played with the idea, but he stayed with eight. I ain't pulling no, no high card number, nothing like that. Send me that cash out, family. That was... 
a great follow-up question. Shout out to Skylar Callahan, who called the triad home for a while. Might still call the triad home. J.C. Horn didn't put in for the number. He considered that. I don't know if that's the case. Send me that cash out, fam. That might be what, you know, J.C. Horn or Brian Burns might be saying to J.C. if he ultimately wanted the number that he was going for. But it is Brian Burns wearing number zero. And the next step is going to be hammering out a long-term deal this offseason. This really is a no-brainer. He plays a premium position. In today's NFL, we know how important quarterback is, which is why left tackle is such an important position to make sure you're shored up at. But after that, edge rusher is probably the next most important because you need somebody who can make all these quarterbacks uncomfortable. And that's why Scott Fitterer, while he was trading away DJ Moore earlier this year, and trading away Christian McCaffrey last year, reportedly turned down multiple first-round picks in order to keep Brian Burns on the team. He's a premium position guy. You turn down multiple ones to keep him. He's one of the best in the league at a premium position. And because you moved on DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, and you have a rookie quarterback for the next five years, which is not all that expensive relative to quarterback, your second in salary cap space. Yes, you absolutely get this done. The only thing that might hold it up is if Brian Burns has any issue being in Charlotte long-term, but Brian was asked about his contract. It says, I want to be a Carolina Panther. I don't have a timeline, so um, I don't know. I, I know I want to be a Panther. That's all I can tell you. I want to be a Panther. And, and uh, like I said, I can't, I can't um, preach this anymore. Like, I'm, I'm truly blessed to be in this position. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like a dream come true just to be just to have these kind of talks. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I look at it. Brian Burns, he's become the alpha in the Carolina Panthers locker room. Lock him up. I suspect Carolina is going to before training camp begins. We're on Twitter at WSJS Radio, which is also where we're streaming video in addition to YouTube and Twitch. Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show. WD, you want to remind the people who our big guest of the day is today? This guy by the name of Roy Cooper, he, he's, I believe he's the governor. The gov. The gov. Dot gov is coming. Dot gov, I guess, today. 535, you can listen to that on SJS or on our various channels. You can already find that conversation. He gave us 20 minutes earlier today, YouTube and on our podcast channels as well. There is a lot of chatter about the New Orleans Pelicans having a great amount of interest in moving up from number 14 to the Charlotte Hornets pick at number two. And the piece they may be willing to part with in order to make a trade like that happen is Zion Williamson. Here was ESPN insider Brian Wintours on Get Up. One team that has emerged that really would like to move up from their spot at 14 of the New Orleans Pelicans potentially hunting a, a star player uh, caliber, maybe like a guy like Scoot Henderson. Um, the Pelicans have had some cursory discussions from what I've been told. There haven't been any offers uh, made necessarily yet, but it makes you really not take too far of a leap to wonder if the, and the league is certainly wondering if the Pelicans are going to make for the first time truly Zion Williamson available ahead of next week's draft to get up to that level in the, in the top five. 
you'd have to consider a player of this caliber. WD hose me down. Listen <laughs> up. Listen up. Yeah. I have not sold any of my Zion stock. None of it. Not amid the adult film star stuff last week. Not amid the injuries. Nope. I've sold none of it. He's my favorite college player that I got to cover in person. The Charlotte Hornets should absolutely pursue a trade for Zion, even if it means passing up on the chance to draft Scoot Henderson. I can already hear your retort to this, though. What about the health, Josh? We'll get to the health in a second. While that is certainly a question mark, his game isn't. Everybody acted like he missed the entire season this year. He played in more than a third of the games, I believe. 29? 29 games. You know how he did in those 29 games? 26 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists on average. Oh, but Josh, that's a small sample. Okay, his second year in the league, he was 27 points a game across 61 games. He was an all-star. When the guy plays, there are not 10 or 11 players in the league better than him. He is a legit MVP candidate. When's the last time Charlotte was able to say, hey, we got a legit MVP candidate on our hands? Never! Did, Kim, did Kimba Walker ever make a run? Never! Never once? Never. Not like that. Not like MVP of the league type stuff. Never. With respect to Scoot Henderson, he might be a perennial all-star. I'm a huge fan of his work. But if he turns out to be an MVP candidate at any point, Charlotte hit the lottery. That is a huge unknown with Scoot. In a way, it's not with Zion when he's out on the court. But getting to the health piece, we do have precedent for a big guy who was drafted early in the draft having difficulty getting out on the floor early in his career. If you're the person that says, it is out of the question. You can't trade for this guy because of how often he's been missing, missing in action. Consider Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid had back problems while he was at Kansas, still drafted third overall. Upon being drafted, we learned he had a stress fracture in his foot that was going to force him out for not one, but two seasons with Philadelphia. And in year three, he only played in 32 games. So going into him being 23 years old, after three seasons in the league, technically, Joel Embiid had played in 33 games. Zion Williamson has played in three seasons, 114 games. 114. Yes, he's had injuries. Those are concerning. But something you got to deal with as sports fans, injuries are always going to happen. Bryce Young's probably going to get hurt. So what? Peyton Manning had neck problems before he arrived in Denver and threw for broke the touchdown pass record, and then won a Super Bowl against the Panthers, right? Tom Brady tore his ACL. Every, Aaron Rodgers has had a ton of injuries. These things happen in sports. Joel Embiid, if you ask the Sixers, knowing what they know now, hey, would you have signed up on what you have now with Joel Embiid after those three seasons where he only played 33 games in three years? They would sign up for every single time. Yes, there's some risk, but if you're the Hornets and you ever want to win anything, you have to. To risk things at times. You have to take some risks. You're not the Lakers. You're not the Heat. Take a swing and figure it out, even if you have to attach a player to it. If you got to attach the rights to Bridges, or I don't even know if you have the rights to Bridges right now, but even like Terry Rozier, if you had to do that, I don't care. As long as it's not LaMelo Ball, 
attach whatever player you want to to get this trade done and to bring an MVP candidate into Charlotte. This is where it's okay to talk about fit. I don't want to hear about fit when you're picking at the top of the draft and you're talking about 18, 19-year-olds. Zion Williamson, you know what he is. When he plays, he's an excellent player. And you can't create in a lab a better fit for LaMelo Ball to be paired with than that dude. Rim running with Zion and LaMelo throwing the lobs? Are you kidding me? If Miles Bridges is on this team too, goodness, it might be the most fun watch in the NBA. So absolutely, positively, you should pursue this if it's on the table in any kind of way. Yesterday, Armando Baycott, waiting for you, Armando. he offered us $10,000 to stop playing that sound. It's true, it happened on air. Our response to that offer is next on the drive. This is it. Ready? All right, hold on. All right, do it, do it. All right, listen up. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. This is the Italian song that was made popular by the rom-com About Time, which, by the way, is one of my personal favorites. WD, have you seen it? Not a chance. And four years ago... Hold one sec. (laughs) So four years ago, we turned that Armando Armando. into the drop that we used every time Armando Baycott's name was mentioned on the show. Now, we thought he'd just be a one and done. Yet, here we are four years later. A couple years back, NIL became legal. We thought our way to contribute to that news was to get Baycott to record a cameo of him doing what you've heard now for the last two years. And at ACC Media Day last year, he said on air, kind of jokingly, yeah, you know, I got more coins than I did a year ago. More than a couple to rub together. You know, let me know if there's something we can uh, offer you to get you to stop playing that sound. And then BDOT yesterday rolled up into Chapel Hill and broached the subject again, and this is what transpired. Oh. All right. Now Josh Graham is still using that. Oh, he was whispering. He's still using it. He says that y'all can talk about terms to financially buy it, but he doesn't want that. I think I gotta buy it out. I'm so embarrassed. Right? I buy why don't Why won't you just do a Tell new one? I got ten. I got ten for it. <laughs> ten what? Ten K. We wipe it up. <laughs> just do a different Armando. Nah, ten. I'm not wiping it up. He said he'd give you ten K. Ten and we retire. <laughs> Why don't you just say Armando? I can't, I can't do it. If I do it, he'd rather pay. Ten, though. Get your big ten. All right, listen. So Armando Baycott. Armando. After offered us ten thousand dollars to stop playing this drop, to Send stop me that cash out, fam. posting the video, and here's what I've got to say to five. Here's what I got to say to you, Armando. Armando. We will accept your offer on two conditions. 
Two conditions. Condition number one, the money does not go to me. Instead, it goes to a nonprofit slash charity of our choosing that you can send that to. We're not going to benefit and make a cent off of it. You know what? Since it's not coming to us, let's bump that up a little bit to 15K. How about that? Cash me outside. How about that? JC Horn, tell them what's up. Send me that cash out, fam. 15K. Let's see if we can bump it up to that. We'll settle for the 10, but I'm challenging you. 15K, and it's not going to me. We will stop the video. We'll stop the drop. We'll kill it now. And we're going to send it to a nonprofit or a charity. We're challenging you now. We're putting the ball in your court, which leads us to the second condition. That video will be gone. That drop of you that BDOT and yourself call embarrassing will be gone. But we can still find somebody not named Armando Baycott. Armando! Who can give us a new drop that we can then use on the show moving forward. It won't be you. It won't be that. Uh, we still, this bit's been going on for four years. And it's because we, we love following Baycott. We've loved getting to know Armando. We love it. Armando. Right? We just need something to replace it with. So if you're okay with those two terms, that it goes to a nonprofit of our choosing, and that we can find somebody else, maybe it's another Tar Heel great, to replace that sound, then sign us up. It's a deal. Get back at us. But if he turns it down... <laughs> All of next year, for the next year, you're going to hear this drop. Armando. A lot of it. It does feel like it's tongue-in-cheek. Like, he is laughing about it. It's not like he's super mad about this. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's all in good fun. It is. So there you go. This started in November of 2019. I went back and checked this bit. And we thought it would be a one-and-done. Robert, I remember, rolled his eyes when we learned that he would be back for a second season. And then nearly went nuclear mad when it was year three that he was returning for. And uh, here we are. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. We've got an exciting programming announcement. Just like we have for the first four years of this show being on air, we will be broadcasting live from live the National Sports Media Association's Awards Weekend, Monday, June 26, ahead of the awards banquet. We will be live from 3 to 6 in Uptown, downtown Winston-Salem. Got my... Cities mixed up, uptown and downtown. And to help us with this announcement, it's our good friend Dave Gorin, who's now joining the show, the executive director of the National Sports Media Association. And this is a good opportunity to encourage people to watch the video stream on YouTube, on Twitch, on Twitter. WD, if people are looking at that stream right now, what might they be seeing with Dave joining the show? So this is that Bond villain portrait that you and Sarah Bradford and Willow took? <laughs> no, I actually think that's from the NSMA last year. I think that's what that is. Is I don't see Willow in that. Uh, you picture. can't see Willow in it, but this is that oh, portrait. Okay, okay. Got the top it. half of it, yeah. 
Good stuff. <laughs> Dave, how creative. Welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. That was a, a great photo. And uh, I figured what better background to put on than it's either that or you and Charles Parker. Yes. Uh, speaking of that, this is the best sales pitch I have to anybody who wants to go to the NSMA. If you're listening to my voice right now, odds are you might like sports. And if you go to the National Sports Media Association's Awards Weekend, whether it be Legacy Night on Sunday night, the 25th, or the 26th, going to the awards banquet, you will run into people that are of note. Like, uh, I remember I was hanging out with Ernie Johnson right after Sarah Bradford and I got married last year, and he was tell giving me advice on Peloton and telling me about different places I need to go on my honeymoon. And then it was Scott Van Pelt really hitting it off with the six-man of Tar Heel basketball B-Dot. And then, yes, and then Charles Barkley, this is at the hotel bar in, at the Marriott in downtown Winston. He called me over, me and my bride. He had something to tell me. This is right after we got married, and Charles Barkley's calling me over to the bar. And when that happens, you need to come over to hear what Chuck has to say. And this is what Chuck had to say. Hey, what are you telling Chuck? Hey, you all keep your coverage. Don't <laughs> that up. Don't, hey, don't it up. I didn't even know Chuck Curry. Hey, don't it up. Come on. You won't get your coverage. That's great. So if you're a sports fan and you'd like to hang out with the likes of Lee Corso or you want to hang out with the likes of Bill Plaschke and hear what these people have to say and, you know, meet Ian Eagle, at the, they're accessible, they're, they're available to you, and it's right here in the Piedmont Triad. It's right here in Winston-Salem. That's the best way I could pitch it. And you still have tables available for the dinner on June 26th, right? That is correct. We uh, have a deadline for tomorrow to buy your tickets, and there are no physical tickets. Your name goes on a list. And we have your uh, name badge for you, like just like like that, and that's your credential, yeah. so you can feel like a big time media person when you walk in. And uh, it's it's fun. We'll have three hundred plus there by the time we uh, kick things off a week from Monday, the twenty sixth, at uh, Benton Convention Center. So downtown Winston Salem. Like, what do you? How often do people tell you, wow, I just didn't even realize we had something like this in Winston? All the time. It's, it's kind of the, the blessing and curse. Um, and I've been doing this now for, I guess, as we say in sports, I'm in my 14th season. <laughs> and there are people in our industry who don't know we exist. Uh, so it's a, it's a challenge. And I, and I also I tell people when I call all of our winners the first week of January. We had 116 state winners, three national and uh, two living hall of famers. So that's 100, uh, never very good at math, 121 phone calls, plus families of the two deceased. And I tell them, if you've never been, I cannot, I can talk till I'm blue in the face and tell you how cool it is for somebody who's in our business to be there at the awards banquet on Monday night, Never mind the rest of the awards weekend. Um, but you really won't get it until you experience it. And then you'll say, oh my God, I can't believe I've, I've never been, or I, you know, I want to come back even if I don't win, that kind of thing. So there yeah. are, there are people who reach out to me all the time. I had somebody I was on the phone with just earlier today who says, I have this cousin or I have this son, or I have this family member that is interested in sports broadcasting. And how do I break into that? And 
you guys, the, I mean, obviously the networking of getting to know not just the people on air, but the people behind the scenes is invaluable in Winston. But in addition to that, you guys also have seminars too. Our guy Darren Vott's going to help, um, you know, f facilitate some of those rooms, moderate some of those rooms. But just how extensive is that piece of it for people who might have an interest in the industry or might just want to investigate whether or not they have a real interest in it? Well, I always say, where was this when I was in college? For college students and young professionals, I, I don't know that you can beat it. You know, we will have 100 plus elite sports media from all over the country. Um, those who are doing these seminars and critique room volunteer there to their winners who pay a registration fee to come. And then they, and then we put them to work and they gladly do it. Excuse me. Um, but we have all kinds of different subjects that they will deal with. We even have someone, someone from the Concussion Legacy Foundation will talk about concussion. So not necessarily media specific, but something that we as media people can use if we're covering events. But, you know, play-by-play -play prep for radio, play-by-play -play prep for TV. Uh, the business is changing. How do we change with it? How do you... Um, you know, come up with story ideas, writing columns if you are a writer, all kinds of different things. And we have a couple Ask the Pros uh, seminars, one with Ian Eagle, who is doing kind of what Ernie Johnson did last year. And to have the ability to not only hear them present, but then have the opportunity to ask them questions and maybe even get to talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, how great is that? And then if you are a say a play-by-play -play person, or you're, you want to do a sports talk show and you've done it in college. We have this critique room that I referred to. We will have that staffed by a lot of our winners. Uh, they'll listen to your demo reel for at yeah. least some of it and, and then tell you maybe what you can improve upon. Uh, how valuable is that? So, you know, that we do a half day on Sunday and a full day on Monday leading up to the awards banquet. It's a day and a half. You pay the $129, you get lunch both days, a box lunch. Um, and, and that, I think it's a unique opportunity to be able to talk and network with people who are at the top level of their profession in a pretty relaxed setting. Yes, and I can vouch for that. And um, you guys are also, I think people need to know, a nonprofit organization, right? We are a 501c3. As defined by, oh, wait, I'm, I'm blocking, I'm blocking your face there, Josh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, which is de uh, defined by the IRS as a charity. Um, so it's good for yeah, people. We don't, we don't, we don't sell things. It's good for basically. people to know that. And then the dinner, uh, you have seats available. Where could people go if they want to? have either be part of the uh, seminars that you're describing those two days or also get one of those tables and, you know, rub elbows with the likes of Ian Eagle, Lee Corso, Bill Plaschke and company. Uh, Nationalsportsmedia.org. And right there on the front page is a link to all the events that go on during the weekend. You can buy them a la carte by the night, the day, and then the, uh, Set the summit, the Sports Media Convergence Summit is, is separate as well. And, you know, if, if you come to that whole weekend, you will leave wanting to know when the next one is going to be. Is like, is it going to be starting Tuesday? Um, but it won't. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity. Uh, I hate that I'm usually running around like a headless chicken on, 
on those days, especially on Monday, getting ready for the banquet. And you know, we have another banquet on Sunday night, a welcome dinner and reception on Saturday night. And uh, I'm so busy on Monday, I don't get to sit in on those seminars and, and that kills me, but I get to watch them back on video later, so. Hey Triad, this is Rich Eisen. Catch me this evening at six for the Rich Eisen Show. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. The Denver Nuggets had their victory parade today. As an athlete, this must be the coolest part of winning a championship. When you get done with the series, you're emotional. You're probably tired if you've played. You're exhausted. And it's probably a late night. It's probably not the most comfortable of evenings. Everybody and their mother is trying to reach out to you. It sounds fantastic, don't get me wrong, but I think the victory parade, it's a few days removed, and the entire day is devoted to just celebrating. Debauchery is okay. Cursing on live television is okay. It happens. Yes, it's chaos. And this is the first time the Denver Nuggets have ever won a title so you had a lot of people turn up. Nikola Jokic, he's hanging out with his daughter. He's saying he's happy at the parade and doesn't want it to stop. He's even cursing into a microphone. Michael Malone, he probably had a few. Somebody was charting KCP's alcohol intake. Want to take a guess how many beers for Catavius Caldwell-Pope that this reporter tracked? I'm going to guess maybe like 10. Nine beers and a Bloody Mary. Oh, Bloody Mary. It's good stuff. He did the full Stone Cold Steve Austin slam the cans together and chug. I don't know how much alcohol you're actually consuming when that happens. He saw a fan holding out a beer and he decided to chug one with said fan, which then brings us to our guy Isaiah, who was the MVP of the victory parade the day apparently moments before this television interview christian brown who was spelled braun b-r-a-u-n carolina fans remember in the live action national championship game it's live action tracy he was on the kansas team that beat north carolina a year ago apparently christian brown saw this fan and decided he'd share and a brewski with him, a beverage with him, throw it his way, and this fan decided to chug it on the spot and then go on local television and say this. Oh, yeah, no, dude, as soon as he tossed me that brewski, I already had to do what I had to do, man. I opened up that straight bear claw on him, and I was just like, yeah, baby, you know what I mean? Drank it. And as soon as I seen it, I was like, I know what I got to do. Looked at my boy, said, this is for us. Bang, bang. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you, so you made eye contact with him and they threw you a beer? Yeah, no, literally, yeah. Like, cause like I, I was hyping up the crowd and he engaged it and then he just like looked right at me and I was like, dude, I'm the one, bro. Come on, send it my way. And as soon as he did, he launched it. I f***ing caught it. And that's just, it's just a history story after that. You know what I mean? There's plenty of history being made right now. And I guess I'm part two of it. I don't know. What's the best part of this clip? Because there is so much that you can pick tweet i i said this is for us i look at my boys i say this is for us bang bang 
He launched it. I f***ing caught it. You just like it when you you you, you get the bleep things out. I do. Because <laughs> I listen to curse words over and over. It's kind yeah. of funny. So many drops. Like, I'm the one, bro. Pretty good. I said to Christian Brown, I'm the one, bro. I was literally writing down things as he said it. <laughs> it was a history story after that. <laughs> I bear clawed it. There's plenty of history being made right now. No, right before that. It's a, it was a history story playing out, bro. And that's just, it's just a history story after that. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> do you? Do you want to hear more from this guy? Because Absolutely. I do. And how did that beer from Christian Brown taste? And say oh. it without cursing this time. Well, um, probably one of the best beers I've ever had in my life. I understand what they mean now when Coors is brewed in the Rockies, because right. that went down super smooth, you know? And all I got to say is shout out to him, man. I really appreciate it. And let's just say, one of the best days of my life. Let's go, Nuggets. We're going to get it next year. Sounds good. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Shout out to this guy. No, thank you. Shout out to you, Isaiah. How does that not become a Coors ad? Him talking about, I now know what they mean when they say it's uh, cold like the Rockies. Don't be surprised. Make it happen. Don't be surprised if you see this guy on a Coors TikTok. Be a history story after that. See, being from ECU, you can probably really appreciate this. I can. Yeah. Not from my own experience, but I, I've, I've witnessed. Oh. I was a witness of... <laughs> You've seen people do this. Behavior such as this. Do a good old Google of what mug night is out in Greenville every Monday night. Yeah. Shout out to those folks. I love it. I still haven't ever been to a victory parade. Never have been. It's one of my great sports regrets that when the Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup in 2006, I was 12 or 13 years old. This is what, 17 years ago now? 17 years ago this week, the Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup Game 7 against the Edmonton Oilers. And my family took me on a vacation, like a family vacation to the beach. I forget what beach. They didn't care much about hockey. So I'm sitting there watching the Canes win the Cup. And we're they're the, t the only light on in the, in the hotel room is the TV screen. And I don't want to wake everybody else up, so I just extend both arms in the air. I'm like, yeah, the Canes, man, yeah. <laughs> Earlier that day, my mom gave me a championship T-shirt. I'm like, Mom, the g game seven is tonight. And it was a conference finals T-shirt. She didn't know the difference. So I have a conference finals T-shirt from that 2006 season, not a Stanley Cup championship T-shirt. But we were on that trip long enough that we missed the parade. So that was the one time one of my teams won that I would have had a chance to attend a victory parade. One day, I suppose. The great Larry Sorensen is currently standing by in Omaha and might even be inside Charles Schwab Stadium right now in o Omaha. I guess we'll find out together if that's the case. We'll preview the Deeks matchup with Stanford when Larry joins us next. Good afternoon, my WSJS family. Rich Eisen here from the Rich Eisen Show. 
Stick around after the drive with Josh Graham for the very best in the world of sports and entertainment with me, your humble host, Rich Eisen. This is where you got it from. Got it from. And here comes the best part. The Rich Eisen Show gets underway at 6 on News Talk Sports for the Triad. When you want the job done right, you go to the best. This is where you got it from. Got it from. WSJS. It's the drive with Josh Graham. WSJS. There are several ways that you can watch or listen to Wake Forest Baseball. Of course, on ESPN, you can catch the Deeks face Stanford, 2 o'clock first pitch on Saturday. You can listen to our next guest, Larry Sorensen, on the call with our guy Stan Cotton on the Wake Forest app, the Wake Forest Athletics app. You can find them. Or right here on WSJS, we have the Westwood One broadcast of uh, Wake Forest College World Series Games 2. So there are plenty of ways you can listen to the Deeks or watch the Deeks. It's such an exciting time as Wake Forest has advanced to the College World Series for the first time since 1955. Larry Sorensen joining us now from Omaha. And Larry, for those who don't know, you used to broadcast the College World Series for ESPN once upon a time. Where does this assignment getting to broadcast in that place for this particular event rank among the cool things that you've been lucky enough to do in your post-playing career? Well, to me, it had been such a goal to get here as a player that when I finally got to come as a broadcaster for ESPN back in 1991 and 92 and was able to be the analyst, uh, this is the best sporting event I've ever been to. I've been to uh, World Series. I've been to playoff games. I've been to All-Star games. Pitched in an All-Star game. Thank you very much for that little little note down there. And uh, the Omaha and the games out here, the College World Series, is the most enjoyable, the most exciting. You know, it takes all those Little League tournaments that you went to and takes it to the ultimate level. So it really is a tremendous event. And I think Stan's finding that out. He's having a blast. Yeah, we were watching the outlaw Josie Wales at his house earlier yeah. this week, and he was telling us, how excited he was to go to Omaha for the first time. What's something about Omaha and this event that people like Stan or WD and myself or listeners who have never been there uh, for it before might not be able to appreciate unless they're there? I think one of the things that's really neat is that uh, they have these different service clubs that adopt the different teams. And so it becomes a situation where every team has their own cheering section from the people of Omaha. So the, the casual bystander that just goes out to the games because the exchange club of Omaha is the Wake Forest team service member. They, they're going out to brunch with them tomorrow and they'll hang around. And if they need to be to have anything done, the exchange club is there to help them work their way around Omaha. And so it becomes a real family-oriented, intimate type event for a pretty good-sized city. And it, it makes it a lot of fun. The stadium holds 24,500 people. And it'll be jammed uh, during the course of the days. The players have been loving that. We went out and watched batting practice and infield and then uh, went to Tom Walter, Brock Wilkin, and and Rhett Lauder's press conference. And then it's 88 degrees here today. And you know how our main job in life is to protect the voice of the Deeks. So we had to get him back into climate control and wrap some foam rubber around him to get him back to the uh, hotel and take care because it's going to be a lot of baseball in a few days. 
and and we want to be ready and prepared and set to go. Two o'clock, first pitch for Wake Forest and Stanford on Saturday at the tournament beginning tomorrow. Virginia going to be in the nightcap. Larry Sorensen's joining us from Omaha. So you guys arrived yesterday. What has Wake Forest been doing since arriving in Omaha? Got out very quickly and got batting practice in at the University of Nebraska at Omaha yesterday. Uh, they were going out tonight for an opening ceremony after touring the stadium a little bit, getting into the locker room, getting out onto the field, getting used to the grass and the dirt and feeling their way, getting some of the nerves out of the way initially, taking care of media obligations that will get shut down a little bit later on. Tomorrow they'll go out and they'll have batting practice again after a brunch with the exchange club, as I mentioned, and uh, and then just start getting prepping for uh, Saturday's game. Some of the guys will probably wander over the stadium. We're kind of a probably stand cotton one iron away from the from the stadium right now. So the players will wander over and take a look at uh, at some of the games that are going on tomorrow and just soak in all the atmosphere, watch the excitement build. There's a fan fest area. There is a baseball village area with food and, and different uh, games and so on and so forth. So there's a lot going around around the uh, around the ballpark. Getting to the actual baseball of the matter, though, it seems like Rhett Lauder is going to be the guy on Saturday. Don't know if that's been confirmed, but it seems like yes. that that's going to be the case. Uh, with that being the case, uh, do you think that was a difficult decision for Tom Walter at all? Yeah, I think Tom reacted and Corey Muscara reacted like they do to everything. Let's look at every single possible angle of this, discuss it every way we possibly can, figure out the odds on everything, and then say, well, the guy's 15-0. and 0, Why don't we just go ahead and throw him? You know. So, yeah, it's going to be louder on Saturday, and it'll be Josh Hartle on Monday. They'll have Keener and Sullivan in the, in the bullpen. And after that, then you start playing out who's got how much rest, how many pitches did they throw, and everything else. But they're so deep with, with starters that are capable – and the bullpen is very, very deep. They've got guys they didn't even get to in the Super Regionals. So their pitching staff is set exactly the way that they want. Given that when you broadcasted games there, it was at old Rosenblatt Stadium, which didn't have the biggest dimensions. NC State baseball fans still lament how <laughs> big those those uh, outfields, those that outfield can seem at times. Uh, I think it was Trey Turner who slammed one right yeah. to the wall that gave him that nearly sent NC State to the championship series uh, back in 2013 or 2014. Might have been 2012. Anyway, uh, with Wake Forest having such a great staff, as you're describing, does that give them a greater advantage given the dimensions of that outfield? Well, first of all, everybody's saying that the ball's carrying better than they're used to seeing. They've lowered the seams on the baseball, and, and everybody was saying today that the ball seems to be carrying better than they expected. Tom said that, Brock said that, and I talked to some of the hitters as they were coming out of the cage, and they all said, going better than we thought it would from what we'd heard. The actual dimensions are 330 down the lines, uh, 335, I think, down the lines, 370 in the gaps, 408 straightaway center field. And I think Nick Kurtz had the best line. He said, if you hit it good, you get rewarded. If you miss it a little bit, you still hit it off the wall or one-hop the wall, but you still the ball still carries better than everybody thought that it would. So that'll be a good thing. And then, you know, it's interesting because we hear this a lot. The reason Wake Forest offense is so good is because they play in the small ballpark. Well, that means their pitching is exceptional because they're leading the nation by eight-tenths of a run in ERA. And as I walk, as I run through the statistics of the other teams, they keep up in several areas, 
but they don't have the overall depth that Wake Forest does. You know, if their pitching staff's closer, they don't hit it as well. If their if their offense hits as many home runs, they don't pitch it as well. You know, so there's all different kinds of variations. But I think Wake Forest has the most balance in every single statistic and category. Dave Gorin joined us earlier, and he told us we needed to ask you this question. He's usually Uh-oh. the guy on the road that helps pick meals uh, <laughs> where where you guys go. He told us to ask you what was recommended and what you ended up eating in Omaha last night. Well, we found a fabulous uh, prime rib sandwich when we first got in, and it was late when we got in, so we ate about 3.30, so we were kind of halfway in between. So Stan and I went out for a salad later on in the evening at uh, the old mattress factory. But Drover's, I'll bet, is where Dave's leading because it's the most expensive place, and that's what he usually gets me to pick up the tab. So I'm sure Drover's was heavily on his mind, and I think we're saving that. My wife comes in tomorrow night hmm. because the buck, it was one of my wife's bucket list items was to go to Omaha for the College World Series. So she'll be our statistician and scorekeeper in the booth and uh, fill us with t- statistics and different uh, things, and then run down stands, uh, different drinks that he needs to keep going. So <laughs> I, I was uh, deba- we'll have a ball. I was debating um, going. We were debating it at the station, but I- I've said for years, when East Carolina goes for the first time, I'll be there. That's there you go. Well, when, when East hey, Carolina put goes. it on your list, man. It's it's really it truly Josh is is unbelievable. It's the, the Pirates baseball. are going to get there. I, I'm I'm going to be there. Yeah. When the Pirates get there, I'm going to be there. Well, they've got a great program, and I'm surprised that they haven't been in your lifetime. But, uh, you know, walking down the street and seeing people with different shirts and different logos and everybody stopping to to find out about your team, and then you get to pick their brain about their team. And these are just people on the streets. You know, these are just fans that came up, and and everybody's willing to share. And very friendly, tremendous atmosphere. It's, It's a lot of fun. Have a lot of fun, Larry. It's, I'm glad you're back in a place that you know semi-well. Uh, and uh, we look forward to listening to you as well on the Wake Forest app. Thank you so much for uh, 